Hi there, and welcome to Vet Chat, a new podcast for the veterinary profession brought to you by the Webinar Vet. We're going to discuss all things from clinical cases to hot topical debates. I'm your host, Ben Sweeney, and for the first time in my life over the episodes ahead of us, I'm aiming to listen more than I talk, and I can't wait for you to join me for the adventure. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Vet Chat. And today I am delighted to be joined by my friend and current BVA president, Daniela Dos Santos. Now, you'll know by now that we're very keen to find out some uh, facts that we may not be previously aware of about our guests on this show. And Daniela was very, very keen to let you all know that she first decided to become a vet after seeing a goldfish floating upside down. It took her five attempts to get into vet school, which I think speaks volumes as to her uh, commitment to the cause and that she loves all things Disney. So if you do hear us break into song from the Lion King halfway through this interview, we make no apologies. So, Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm really excited to have a chat. And it's, it's really interesting to have these kind of conversations with someone who is 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 a friend, but also is doing some fantastic things within the profession. So. With your involvement at BVA, you know, why, why did you first join? So I've been a BVA member. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, the goldfish, by the way, survived, just in case you were wondering. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for having me. And why did I get involved with BVA? I have been a member since I was a student. Um, and I've always been interested in the bigger picture. I think it's really easy in our profession to kind of get stuck in your own little bubble um, and worry about the cat or the dog that's coming in next and, and forget that, our profession spans such a wide range of people and, and careers and subjects that um, there's a big wide world out there. So I've been a BVA member since I was a student, carried it on um, after I graduated. And I first got involved you sort of more in depth with the BVA when I was about 18 months qualified um, when I joined the Ethics and Welfare Panel. And, and obviously the Ethics and Welfare Panel is one of a multitude of of roles within the BVA and certainly you know there's there's more roles than I can even think of of counting um and and what was what was your incentive or sorry what was your reason for going specifically for that kind of role so uh, for those of you that don't know I am an exotic um animal vet exotic pet vet should I say by sort of day um as well as the cats and dogs um but I'm an exotic pet vet that has some reservations about exotics as pets and I do worry that perhaps their welfare isn't always being met in the same way that we would expect it to be met for a cat or a dog Um, and when I was a student on EMS I met this amazing vet called Kate um, and I went to see practice with her not at that point because I thought I wanted to work with exotics but more that I didn't feel like I knew enough of the basics even say to to treat a, a rabbit that came through the door so I went on a sort of learning quest And actually, she said to me at one point, if you can teach one tortoise owner how to look after their tortoise properly, you're going to give that tortoise 60 years of a good life. And it kind of got me thinking that actually, if I did go into this sector, I could really make a difference um, to the welfare of these animals. And, you know, stereotypically, everybody goes, oh, you're a vet, you must love animals. Well, to a degree, you have to love people, too. And actually, being an exotic vet combines the love of animals and the love of people, because most of the work I do is education. So... I always had that welfare background, admittedly more focused on exotics. And I was reading my vet record and there was an advert in there saying they were looking for new people to join their ethics and welfare panel. So I applied. Um, someone must have put something in the teas because they let me in. Um, and I remember coming to my first ethics and welfare meeting and sort of sitting in the corner thinking, what on earth am I doing here? Surrounded by these incredibly intelligent vets, lots of letters after their name, you know, 
very well known in their specific circles. I thought there must be a mistake. Um, but yeah, that's how my BVA journey started. It all started with a tortoise. Although Disney would say it started with a mouse. For me, it started with a tortoise. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's, I think it's great that people start from an area where they're passionate about something. But obviously in your role now, you know, you've sort of very quickly moved up the ranks within the BVA and in, in your role as president and, of course, previously as JVP and, and next year looking in your SVP role. What what was the drive to sort of, you know, to, to really sort of go, right, actually, do you know what? This is this is a role that I feel is going to suit me and it, it's going to excite me. Do you know, if, I'm, if I'm really, really, really honest, there wasn't a drive. This was never anything that I thought about doing. It was never anything on my horizon. And it was sort of just a, an opportunity that came my way. I just followed my passion. I just followed my interest. And, you know, after joining the group, I met all these incredible people. And you suddenly start becoming aware of other things you'd never thought about. So, you know, one thing they spoke about was nosebounds in horses. And I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I'm terrified of horses. So I haven't even thought, of, <laughs> I haven't even thought about a horse Um since vet school and and it was sort of it piqued my interest I met all these amazing people and actually I was just happy doing what I was doing you know happy being on the ethics and welfare panel I love love being a vet you know I love being an in-practice vet so I was quite happy working in practice and doing this on the side you know sort of giving this extra dimension to my career um, and then the advert came out for the new junior vice president you know they they put a call out every sort of autumn looking for someone and at the time, I was actually going to nominate someone else. Um, partly because, like I say, I, I never saw myself in this position. Um, you know, people keep telling me I'm a leader in the profession now. I never saw myself as a leader. And it was actually my partner, who's not in the vet profession at all. He sat me down and he said, Daniela, why are you going to nominate someone? You know, this is you on paper. I was like, really? Um, and then I stepped back and, and actually it said they wanted someone um, in exotic small animal or equine practice. And I ticked two of those boxes. They wanted someone with a background in welfare, which, you know, I sat on the welfare um, advisory panel. By this point, I'd become chair of the panel as well, which meant I sat on BBA council, which meant I was more involved in the politics and they wanted someone with an understanding of politics. Um, and then they said um, they welcomed application from women. And yet I looked at that and I did not see myself um, at all. And it took someone else to say to me, why don't you just apply? So I did, um, very last minute. I spoke to a past president who told me, you know, what's and all, what this job involved. And I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose, I'll just apply. Um, and I did. And then when I first got the phone call to say I'd got it, it was John Fishwick at the time who was president and he rang me. Well, he tried to ring me twice and I didn't answer. Um, <laughs> I was out running, I was out running for the marathon. Now anyone who does know me knows I hate running, but I was running the marathon that year. And when it rang the third time, I thought, oh, someone is really persistent. Someone really, really wants to speak to me. It was John. <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, hi, Daniela. It's John. I was like, oh, hey, how are you? And then he mentioned that they'd had the electoral college, which is where they decide. And I was like, oh, John, don't worry about it. Look, I applied to, to some of the off chance. I'm totally fine being ethics and welfare. And he was like, no, 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 stop. We want you. And I just froze. And I froze. And then I started laughing hysterically. Then I started crying. Um, I rang by the half because I was out and I was you know, so emotional. It was like, what has happened? Thinking something serious had happened because I couldn't get my words out. So I guess, if I'm really honest, there was no drive. Um, I just love being a vet. I love our profession. And I took the opportunity that came my way. This wasn't pre-planned. You know, often you'll hear people say, oh, people only do BVA presidency for a career step. That's not why I did it. I did it because 
someone saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself and I'm championing a profession I love. I think, yeah, that as, as reasons go, I think that's a pretty good one to be going off with, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, obviously presidency is is something that, you know, it's a short, short-term mm-hmm. role. Um, but, you know, have you got a particular goal or ambition um, for, for that, you know, that, that 12-month period? Obviously, you know, we're, we're what are we, four, yeah, five months into yes. it now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you tell me, so when I first took up as JVP, uh, some of the best bit of advice I got was from Sean Wensley, the past president. And he said to me, Daniela, you've only got three years. So if there's something you care about and want to make a difference with, you start running now. And so I did. Um, and, you know, vet diversity is my presidential theme. And it's my presidential theme because this is my year. But I've been working on it since day one that I entered as an officer. And it's something that I will continue to, to work on through until the end of my SVP. And I hope to leave something behind that means that the work will carry on, you know, um, but diversity is such a big, big topic and the topic that actually we were talking about a few years ago. I'm not naive. I'm not going to change the world overnight, but certainly I've instigated conversations that we weren't having before. Yeah, and I, I think that's what that, and obviously from, from a point of view of Sean's insight, I can 100% vouch for him given that he's another scout. <laughs> um, and we, we, of course, give excellent advice and guidance. Um, I think obviously, you know, when, when that presidential term comes comes to an end, obviously there's sort of, you know, th- th- there's that period of time where you've got James Russell who's going to come in, and then mm. those that follow in, in and after James. And yeah. what can what can they do to continue with that kind of legacy, or is that something that you know uh, they just sort of they, they will sort of carve their own path as well, and you just have to hope that things get carried along I, I think there's both both is probably the right answer so you know every officer that comes through has their own passion you know um Sean's was animal welfare Goodrum's was um team vet and workforce um John was uh, one vet family uh, Simon was one health and he's done some amazing stuff there and I think we all come with our own passions and you know areas in which we want to evolve or make a difference and I actually think that's a good thing I think it's good that we come in with different ideas because it means we continually challenge the BVA and challenge the profession I think us officers work as a team and so we will always champion and support each other Um, and whilst say Simon led on One Health absolutely I'm 100% behind him and we'll talk about One Health and we'll champion the cause in the same way that both James and Simon and John before have championed diversity as well. I think the way to look at it is that we have to start the conversations. What I hope to leave behind is some form of legacy that I started the change, that I started us having the conversation about, you know, people fitting in and being included within the profession and the importance of people, the importance of just treating each other like human beings and how that can go so far. The importance of the fact that we should reflect the profession we serve. And, you know, there are, there are things going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, I sit on the RCVS Diversity and Inclusion Group as well, which is working hard there. We have our Good Workplace Working Group, which has a whole section on diversity and inclusion, but also the wider, how do you treat people in a way that wants to make them stay? And we're looking to try and develop a widening participation outreach project as well. And only a couple of weeks ago, we had loads of amazing people in the same room talking about What's already going on? Where are the challenges? How we can work things better? So I sort of see myself as a facilitator for change at this point, rather than 
finalizing that change if that makes sense you, you, we can't change these yeah, things overnight definitely i think you know you only have to look at changes across the profession in the last decade that you know we are moving in a positive direction and you know as you rightly point out it doesn't change overnight and that, that probably leads me quite nicely on to my next question which is sort of you know so so yeah so how have you seen the bva evolve during your your time within the organization i think for any membership body there is a real challenge in staying relevant and it takes a you know a lot of hard work and dedication and actually i'm really proud of the way the bba has been doing that in in recent years you know um we work really hard at it we have a really good system of getting feedback from our members we have our ear to the ground on various different aspects you know we have our member survey uh, surveys and we use our voice uh, voice of the profession survey as well to get the feeling from the ground what's going on and and that will sort of inform our policy decision making our campaigning and lobbying aspects you know we've got a much stronger presence on social media as well i think i can comfortably say that i don't feel like 10 years ago the profession as a whole were talking about the bva as much as they're talking about it now in the way that they're talking about it you know we've gone from I feel, what does the BVA do to the BVA is doing this? How can I get involved? Or people actually coming forward and going, you know, I really think this is really good, but actually I'd quite like you to look into this. And I feel like we're getting more and more interaction with our members, which is exactly what we want. We are shaped by our members. You know, our policy is driven and set each year through council that has representatives from every sector of the profession. And I think another way of looking at it, you know, going back to our committee structures and so on, we had a governance review, which means there's far more opportunities for people to get involved. And I can honestly say, since I have been involved year after year after year, we get more and more people volunteer to sit on these committees. And I think that's a testament that we are increasingly more relevant. People do see us as, you know, the ones that are going out there sticking our neck out to champion our incredible profession yeah and i think that's it it's interesting actually you say you know people are engaging more and more with bva as an organization and i think you know that's definitely evidence certainly from the outside looking in um you can definitely see more conversation um engaging around the bva and of course some of that is negative and some of that gets fed back directly mm-hmm. um so yeah and you know i you look at it and you think actually is some of that fed fed back in in the right or the wrong manner but how does the bva deal with 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 stuff where you know people are staunchly against steps that you are taking as an organization so it's worth saying that i am very open to people contacting me when they think we've got something wrong or, or they think we've missed something um, and actually, I'd like to think that there are people listening that are going, do you know what, she's right, I've spoken to her about this, that, you know, my door is always open. And I would say the BVA as a whole is always open. When we receive criticism, we listen. And if it's yeah. justified criticism, we act on it. I think one that might be a useful example here is the Brexit debate. And I'm really so, sorry <laughs> to bring up the B word, but I, I, I'm not going to get into the details <laughs> of it. Brave, but brave. Well, no, I'm not going to get into details of it. And, and BVA didn't have a position on Brexit, leave, remain, none of that. And the reason we didn't have it is because our members have such a wide variety of views that it would be inappropriate. We are a membership body. Having said that, we did take the stance of saying that we did not support a no deal. And actually, when that came out, we did get some pushback from some members. But I'm comfortable in the, in the decision we came to that it was representative of our members because we put a call out to our members that this is what we were going to be considering. Um, at council and could they feedback 
via their regional reps and you know or if it's via a division via a division as to what their feelings were and we were going to take a vote at council and we had a really robust discussion there off the back of you know some evidence that the BVA put forward which is still available on why you know the consequences of a no deal specifically and there's a robust discussion at council there was a vote where some divisions abstained either because they couldn't vote or because um, they had sort of really mixed messages from their members um, and there were some that voted for and some that voted against. And actually, the majority voted for coming out in favour of a no-deal Brexit. And therefore, I was comfortable we were representing the views of the vast majority of our members. Now, there were some members that were absolutely not happy with that. But with a membership body, you are never going to be able to have everyone agree with everything you say. All you can do is try your best to represent as many of them as you possibly can. And I am comfortable that in that situation we did. There will be times that we get it wrong. And we're here to listen and we're here to put hands up and go, do you know what? Messed up there. Really sorry. Let's start again. And I think, you know, like you say, there's so much goes on behind the closed doors. And I think, you know, they're doing a good job of bringing that information out to the masses. Um, And I think, you know, like you say, you're never going to please everybody all of the time. But so looking at the role of of presidents, like I know yourself and Simon have been brilliant in the last couple of years at really disseminating that, that sort of information as to, you know, what it is that you're doing. But, you know, is there such a thing as a normal week? And, and you know, what does the week look like for the BVA president? No such thing as a normal week. It's, it's like being in practice. You know, you never know what's around the corner, perhaps to the extreme. You know, this week I thought I had a reasonably, I'm going to say the key word, a reasonably quiet week. Um, <laughs> it didn't work like that. And, you know, I've gone from, I'm doing this. This morning I was filming for the BBC. I've given interviews on Brexit. I've looked at policy positions. I'm preparing a keynote speech for AVS Congress. All of this is going on with conversations in-house about policy positions. Um, you know, we had a policy uh, under care working group meeting this week as well. We've got ethics and welfare panel coming up. There is no such thing as a normal week. What it does highlight is that we as vets have such transferable skills. We just get stuck in this bubble that all we can do is clinical stuff. All we can do is neuter that cat or castrate that dog or, you know, assess that horse for lameness. Actually, we can do so much more. And this role has allowed me to use all the skills that I developed as a vet in practice. And I think that's fun. And, you know, like you say, you know, as a, as a profession, there is that real sort of not necessarily a drive to leave the profession, but a drive to use those skills mm. that, that we develop mm. and utilize day to day in other areas of, of life as well. Um, and I think, you know, that that's, you know, you only have to look at some of the fantastic things people are doing inside outside and adjacent to the profession um to, to see those skills getting used all over the place so i think yeah i was gonna say i think this links back to my vet diversity piece in terms of you know when i say vet diversity i, I mean talk about to celebrate the differences between the people but also celebrate all the different sectors we work in and try and move away from the fact that you have to be a specialist to be a good vet or that gp work is you know less important um, or that being a vet outside of practice is somehow a sort of a second-rate career choice. This is about celebrating all of us, whatever we decide to do, but also to acknowledge that sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side and that sometimes we have to take responsibility for ourselves and if we're not happy with something, think about how can we fix this? And that includes acknowledging our transferable skills and where we'd want to use them. You know, obviously it's a, it's a busy, it's a sort of dare I say even sometimes chaotic <laughs> role but what what excites you about it you know why why do you get up and go in and not say right do you know what I've, I've had it I'm, I'm gonna hand, hand back my big chain because I genuinely feel that I'm currently involved in some 
work, some pieces of work that will make a real difference to this profession. We are so lucky to be in this profession and it is an incredible profession. And I know we all have difficult days and I know all of us at some point have probably thought, oh, what am I doing? Actually, for example, you know, we know there's a recruitment and retention issue out there. We also know there's no silver bullet to fix it. So, you know, I'm involved in the diversity stuff, trying to encourage more kids into the profession from more diverse backgrounds, which I think will be beneficial. And I truly believe this will be beneficial for the profession in the years to come. I'm also involved in work looking at the education system and how we can fund the education system more effectively, how we can lobby for better education funding so that we can have, a, you know, a more robust um system in place for veterinary education i'm involved in graduate outcomes which will change you know life hopefully for for recent grads for the better i'm involved in the good workplace working group which looks at what it is to be in a good place to work both from an employer and employee perspective and that doesn't matter if it's clinical practice or civil service or pharmaceuticals and all of that put together i believe over time will have a real positive impact on our profession and I hope to leave that legacy behind that I was involved in the work that's made a difference and it won't be tomorrow you know I won't see the results tomorrow but I'm hoping in five ten years time I'll look back and go do you know what that was the beginning of change and that's why we have a happy profession now and I think you know that that's that's a great way to look at it is that you know we know it's not going to happen overnight but you know those those seeds that we're planting now and those seeds that have been planted over the last few years god willing that that will have a, a positive impact on on the members over the next absolutely and i think i think it just highlights the importance of an organization like bva in terms of we are there fighting your corner, looking at the problems and looking for solutions whilst you will go about your busy day. That's what we do. That's what we're there for. We're there to support everyone and to make the workplace better and to improve animal welfare. And actually, that's our role. And for those that say, what does the BVA do? Well, we are trying really hard to make your day-to-day work life better. And I think on that point, you know, there's obviously there'll be people listening and sit there going, you know, I'm a little bit passionate about this. Uh, mm. You know, there's, I, I maybe got a little bit of an insight into this area and this area here. I know from my own involvement in the member benefits committee very briefly um, in years gone by, and that you know it is great to be able to give back to that profession, but sometimes it can be a little daunting for people to get involved with. So, how can people, you know, look into being yeah. involved on one of the you know, multiple committees? Um, across the whole of BVA. So first thing I'd say is I know it's daunting you know I said at the beginning of this I walked into the meeting going what on earth am I doing but we're nice people we really are nice people and there's nothing to be daunted about and um, there are loads of different ways you know for those of you that just want sort of a, a light touch involvement you know we have the voice surveys which are an hour of your time each year it's four surveys that each take about 10 to 25 minutes um, to complete so quarterly and so you can sign up to be a member of that and that data gives us so much. It's a lot of the data that we use to lobby. It's a lot of the data we use in media work. So you can go on our website to sign up to that. Obviously, engaging with our social media campaigns. And that comes back to what you just said. It depends on what you care about. So, you know, if you're passionate about um, companion animal welfare, you've got our Breed to Breathe campaign or, you know, our work on extreme confirmation. If your passion is welfare at slaughter, well, we are about to um, release our new position on welfare at slaughter. If it's workforce, discrimination, diversity, there's loads going on there. So, you know, we also had our campaign last year about I'm a celebrity get those animals out of there so engage on our social media campaigns on what floats your boat you know whatever ticks your boxes is your passion area if you have more time um, getting involved with the Young Vet Network is a brilliant way of doing that and um, these are grassroots um, organizations that sort of pop up all over the country and um, where it's basically a CPD and social event so that 
you know, young vets that are in an area perhaps away from their family and friends can just meet up, talk to each other about the day-to-day life of being a recent graduate. They are primarily aimed at recent graduates, but we do have, you know, more senior members of the profession going and giving talks or helping organise. And certainly if you'd like to get be involved in that and you can't find one in your area, do give us a shout and we can help you with that and perhaps help set up set one up. Um, if you live in, you know, our branches, the Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, they have their own active branch structures with social activities and you, they are our main voice to the devolved government. So you can get involved there if you want to get a bit more political. Every year we advertise for committee vacancies and this will range from policy committee to ethics to, um, you know, member benefits. There's loads and you can find them all on our website and I'm sure you will find something that suits your interests. They're really, really competitive and it's getting more so but that doesn't mean you shouldn't apply you know I applied as an 18 month qualified nobody that's you know nobody knew who I was and I applied and I got on and look where I am now and actually one of the comments when I first was announced as JVP uh, when I met a fellow president of one of the divisions was I didn't even know who you were not a bad thing (laughs) not a bad thing but um, so you know get involved also council you will all have council reps You'll all get access to your our council papers two weeks before council, which happens in April, July, September and December. Um, and that will give you up to date information on what we're doing. Just have a skim through. You don't need to read it all. Look at things that interest you and feedback to your reps, because that comes to the top council and policy decision making. So there are loads and loads and loads of ways. And if I could just urge one thing is. Don't think you can't do it. Don't think you've got nothing to give. Don't think someone else will do it for you. We, The BVA is your membership body. We're there to represent you. Get involved. You won't regret it. It is the best thing I have ever done in my career. And it was never my intention to get involved. I think that is about as strong a moment to finish any kind of interview on, on such a high positive note. So I just want to take a moment and say thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your insight. Um, and yeah, I know that people will have a lot to say on the back of, of topics that we've discussed today. And hopefully people will take that opportunity to get involved. So, Daniela, thank you very much. For thank you so time. much, Ben. Lovely talking to you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Vet Chat. If you've enjoyed listening to my dulcet scouse tones as I interview people much more intelligent than myself, then please do click follow and join us for future episodes. Hi again, everybody. On today's episode of Vet Chat, I'm joined by Susie Samuel. Now, many of you will know the name. Susie has been at the forefront of the digital sphere within the veterinary sector for the last 12 years. She's the founder of Vets Digital and Vet Help Direct. And I dare say that we've probably all worked at a practice at some point that have had some degree of input from one of these organisations. Susie would happily turn around and tell you that probably her funniest moment in practice was when she was just about to clip a parrot's nails and as she placed the nail clippers on that parrot's foot, it looks at her longingly into the eyes and says, ouch. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be enough to put me on edge for the entire episode of clipping that those sets of nails fortunately she didn't catch the quick on any of them and they did part as good friends um so it's great to see that you know all of the people that we're dealing with have got first-hand experience of being in practice and i think it's safe to say that susie is to digital marketing what cornish pasties are to cornwall so susie thank you so much for joining us 
Hi everyone, on today's episode of Vets Chat, I'm joined by Susie Samuel, who is the founder of Vets Digital and Vet Health Direct. And I think it's safe to say that Susie is to veterinary digital marketing what Cornish pasties are to Cornwall. She has got a wealth of knowledge in this sphere and has really driven that digital revolution uh, with vet, within veterinary practices to try and improve that relationship with pet owners and to improve the experience for them. And as a result, really look to benefit the reputations of the practices that she works with with their clientele and attract new clients into that rate so Susie's funniest story she reckons from practice um, I am told on good authority that this is the only one that's clean enough to be told on on a podcast uh, is that she was once looking to clip the nails of a of an African grey parrot and as she goes to clip the first one the parrot looks at her and says ouch uh, fortunately, she got through the rest of the nail clipping and they parted on good terms without any quicks having been cut. So, Susie, great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everybody. In light of the recent coronavirus outbreak, we've produced some short episodes with people in various locations around the world. And in this first episode, I actually take a break from hosting and webinar vet. Founder and CEO Anthony Chadwick interviews his longtime friend Alistair Hudson Moore. Alistair's based out in China and can give us a true insight of what's really been going on out there from the horse's mouth, so to speak. We hope you're all staying safe and well, and we really do thank you for doing every bit that you can to follow the government guidelines and keep yourself and everybody else safe in this very unprecedented time. Take care and enjoy your listen. Hi everybody. As many of you are aware, the situation in the UK is following a very similar trajectory to that in Italy. So in today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Flavio Morchi, who's an Italian vet based in the north of the country, who's going to give us some insight into what's going on there. Again, we hope you're all staying safe. We hope you're looking after your families and each other and that you're following the guidelines. We know as a profession, we've got a real opportunity here to stem the spread of this disease by working together and following the guidelines. And I really do think that you're doing a splendid job. Take care. Hi there, everyone. As you're aware, we're doing some special episodes in the light of the coronavirus outbreak. And in today's episode, I'm delighted to interview an Italian vet, Flavio, about what the situation's been like for him and the rest of Italy and how they see the past, the present and the future in terms of the veterinary life and life in general. Enjoy is a strong term for what we kind of hope that you've got out of today's episode. But we do hope that it's given you some insight and that you have taken some solace from it. Many people are doing well and many people are recovering. There are, of course, people that will be lost in this great tragedy of our time. But we hope that you continue to follow the guidelines and continue to stay safe yourself and look after those around you. Thanks for listening and do keep an eye out for other episodes that are coming up in the not too distant future. Take care. Hi everybody, this is another bonus episode of Vet Chat where we look at one of the hot topics that's affecting many of us across the profession at this moment in time, which is furlough. 
We hope that the information that comes across in this podcast is helpful to you and provides clarity on the topic so that you can at least be able to sleep a bit better at night knowing how it's going to affect your own personal circumstances. We hope it helps. We hope that today's episode was helpful and provided you with some clear insight as to how furlough might affect your own personal circumstances. Remember that as a profession, we are in the very fortunate position to have vet life. So if you do have financial or other concerns at this most unsettling of times, please do get in touch with vet life and they'll be able to help you or point you in the right direction for someone who can. Stay safe, everybody. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm having a chat with veterinary team guru, Alison Lambert from OnSwitch. Alison and I have a chat about the insights that we can take from the possible changes for the veterinary team and the customer care journey in light of COVID-19 and what that might mean in the short term, medium term, and some musings about the longer term. Enjoy. Enjoy.